Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. Food is an essential element to any traveler's wish list. There's no such traveler who would not like to try out the local cuisines on their trip to a new place. And Morocco is no different. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadeen Al-Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities. Real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like a local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. Morocco is a foodie's paradise, known for its incredible and diverse cuisine. Having your meal in the comfort of your riyadh or luxury resort is a must-do. But also, try out the amazing street food in the bustling medinas. Or to relish fresh seafood along the beachfront is a lifetime experience. Make sure your trip to Morocco is full of such fun activities that provides a glimpse of the local culture through its grills, barbecues, and bakes. The local cuisine is influenced by Berbers, Jews, Arab, and European cultures. For a few dirhams, you can have freshly prepared meals for you. The local cuisine is as diverse as the country's landscapes, from couscous to tagines, pastilla to Moroccan salads. In today's episode, we have Aziz Zgani, owner of the restaurant Le Patio Bleu, the Blue Patio, in Fas, Morocco, that serves authentic Moroccan dishes. And I'm so excited to have you with us today, Aziz. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Mr. Aziz, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Ghani Aziz, born and grew up in Fes, Fes Medina. I studied English and American literature at the university. I have a degree in English literature. 
I became a tour guide uh, more than 25 years ago in the Medina because I love the Medina and I always go to the Medina, although I moved from the Medina to the new city. And I love food, so that's why I decided to uh, open a restaurant in the Medina of Fes. That's incredible. Tell us a little bit about Fes, the city of Fes, in terms of culture, history, also in terms of Jewish heritage and food, please. Okay, so Fes, as you might know, is one of the oldest cities in Morocco. It's 12 centuries of existence. It was founded in the 9th century, exactly in 808 by the Idrisi dynasty. At that time, we had really refugees coming to Fez from different parts of the world. Anyone who was looking for a new life, uh, regardless of his uh, race, religion, he was welcome here in Fez. So the founder of the city, Idris II, was welcoming people from all over the world. He devoted the right bank of the river to the uh, refugees coming from South Spain, Andalusia. So we still have a quarter called the Andalusian Quarter. And uh, the one on the left bank of the river for the other people coming from Kerwan, Tunisia. So we had 800 families who came to settle here in the Medina of Fez. And among these families, we had a rich family whose daughter offered all the money she inherited to build the oldest university in the world. Oh, wow. And what's her name? Uh, Fatima, Fatima Al-Fihriya. She came from Kerwan, Tunisia, and she founded the oldest university in the world, which is still operating. This university is still operating in the Median Office for Religious Studies. But in the past, it was for various sciences. So Fez is very rich in history. It has always been considered as the intellectual capital of Morocco and also the spiritual capital of Morocco. Fez is known by its 200 mosques that we have in the Medina and the capital of handicrafts. So this is the Medina. And the name Medina, as you might know, in Arabic, it means city. And the name was given by the French to refer to the old city. Because when the French came, there were two sections in the city of Fez. We had the Medina that was called Fez el-Bali, the old Fez. And we had a new Fez, in Arabic Fez el-Jadid, where we have the Jewish quarter and the king's palace. And when the French came in 1912, they founded the new city, the French town. I see. So it's the biggest Medina. I mean, especially the Medina office, the biggest Medina in all Africa with 740 acres. It has over 9,000 streets, so a real labyrinth. Even the people living in the new city get lost easily in the Medina. Oh, I can see that, yeah. Myself, I was born in the Medina and I grew up in the Medina. And sometimes it happens to me that I still can discover new streets in the Medina. Oh. I don't get lost. You put me wherever I can find my way out. But sometimes I can discover new streets. Absolutely. And what else can you tell us about Fes when it comes to the Jewish history, Jewish heritage? With the foundation of Fes, we had many Jews I mean, coming to Morocco, and they were welcome here in Fes. And we had a quarter in the Medina called Fandaq Lihudi, which is like the Jewish quarter. The Jewish quarter. The Jews have been here in Fes before the coming of the Arabs. Oh, wow. So you see, before the coming of the Arabs, the Jews, they, they were here. They even managed to convert some Berbers to Judaism. They lived here in the Medina for so many centuries. And with the coming of another dynasty to power, which is the Marinid dynasty. So Marinid dynasty, they ruled Morocco from the 13th to the 15th century. And they had Fez as their political capital. 
they, they were ruling first, the Jews were already living in the Medina, so this dynasty proposed to the Jews, if they want to stay in the Medina, they had to convert to Islam. And in fact, we had many families, uh, Jewish families, who converted to Islam, like the Cohen families. Because of their business, they preferred to convert to Islam and stay in the Medina. And those who refused to convert to Islam, they went to the Jewish quarter, which is the Melah. The term Melah, it comes from the Arabic word Melah, meaning salt, because the Jews also were engaged in the salt industry. And salt at that time had a big value. Now, with the foundation of the state of Israel in 1948, the Jews started living in Morocco for Israel, for Europe, for America. And we had a small minority who preferred to stay here in Fez, but they no longer live in the Jewish quarter. They moved to the new city, to the French town. So roughly we have 50 Jewish families still in Fez. And they are considered as Moroccan citizens. They can vote. They can be candidate to parliament. We had some Jews, I mean, in the Moroccan government, in previous governments. Mr. Serge Berdigo, who was the minister of tourism in a previous government. And uh, Mr. Serge Berdigo is always the president of the Moroccan Jewish community. And we still have a counselor of His Majesty, who is Moroccan Jew, Mr. Andrea Azoulay. So Mr. Andrea Zulay has worked for the late king, Hassan II, and he's still working for the current king, Mohammed VI. Yeah. But uh, here in Morocco, for the young Jewish generation, once they get their baccalaureate, most of them leave Morocco for Europe, for America, for Canada. They are looking for better opportunities of work and of studies. So that's why the number of Jews living in Morocco is decreasing every year. I see. That's a lot of information. A lot of it, I, I had no idea. So thank you for that. Now, when we talk about Fes as well, we have to talk about food. So what makes Fes very different than any other city in Morocco when it comes to food? I know Fes is, has few dishes that they make better than anybody else in Morocco. If you can elaborate a little bit on that, please, Aziz. So when, when we talk about Fes, I mean, in general, not only about food, but we talk about refinement. So everything is refined here in Fez. Traditions, culture, people. You see the people, because people came to Fez from all over the world. And those people who came to Fez from South Spain, they brought a very refined civilization, including food. Food is very important here in Fez. It's very refined. And Fez has always been considered as the gastronomic capital of Morocco. For example, couscous, which is a national dish. Almost every family prepares couscous on Friday. It is also related to religion, not only tradition, but religion. Because couscous is a dish that people gather around, you see. So couscous on Friday, the parents, they want to gather their children around couscous. So they can invite their children, grandchildren, because it's uh, sacred. Couscous in Fez, most of the time, is with seven vegetables. Potato, carrots... Zucchini, raisins, chickpeas, cabbage, maybe a, a turnip. Okay. I counted them. There are seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the royal couscous with seven vegetables. Yeah. What other dishes that a fast is known for? For sure, pastilla, but how is it made? Well, pastilla is a chicken pie. It's a pie that is stuffed with the chicken. The famous pastilla normally here in Fez is with pigeons. Pigeons, yes. Pigeons. So the pigeon pastilla, instead of chicken, sometimes people, they prefer, I mean, they have it with pigeons. 
but pigeons, I mean, for some people, uh, it seems like a delicacy. Yes. I mean, to eat pigeons. Yes. But it's very nice. So it's uh, pigeons, eggs, almonds, and other rich ingredients. And it is mixed with uh, a little bit of cinnamon and sugar. So it's a mixture of sweet and savory. Just to add a little bit to what you're saying, Siaz, the, the pigeon, I grew up eating the pigeon bastilla. It's a very delicacy dish, especially for us in Morocco. And the Moroccans, it's really, really popular. So I understand in terms of tourists, it's kind of a little bit different because they're not used to our customs and traditions and cultures. Yeah, we do eat pigeons. Um, yeah, if you go to the market, you'll see them. They're a little bit pricey, but we do eat them. It's part of our cuisine. And the pigeon pastilla, it's really, really good with pigeon. If you get a chance to taste it, I'll say just just take a little bite and see for yourself. You're going to love it. Then the chicken is is the typical. It's the most popular. And now, in recent years, the seafood, and it's getting more popularity. It's a little bit costly. It's a little bit more expensive than the chicken and the pigeon, obviously. And um, it's really, really good. For the pigeons, just to add something, I mean, for the pigeons, sometimes people, they prepare the pigeons with the bones. Oh, wow. For the chicken, normally we move the bones. It's just the flesh. For the pigeons, sometimes people, they leave the bones. But And uh, you see, when you eat, I mean, pastilla, I mean, you have to care about the bones. So that's why, I mean, people find it I mean, easy for them to prepare it with chicken. Makes sense. So when you said it's a pie, it looks like a pie, but it's actually not a pie. The challenging part about making the pastilla is what covers it. It's the phyllo. It's called the phyllo. Yeah, it's a phyllo pastry, and also the way this phyllo pastry is prepared, because if the phyllo pastry is not I mean, of good quality, you cannot wrap it well, it, it will tear apart. Yes, easily. Yeah, it will definitely, yeah. Yeah, so we have some ladies here in Fez that are specialized in making this uh, phyllo pastry, because it's very, very difficult to have a nice phyllo pastry. And then you stuff it with all these ingredients that I cited before. Um, what about the seafood pastilla? Seafood pastilla, now people tend to prefer the seafood pastilla because we have been eating the sweet pastilla for so many years. Now, I mean, there is a tendency to the seafood pastilla. But in some special occasions here in Fez, like weddings, people, they prepare both the sweet one and the salty one with the seafood shrimps, calamar, and other ingredients, yeah. That's incredible. So talking about food, I mean, it's just, I've been to restaurants in Fez, and the food is just, it's incredible. The, the Fasi cuisine is very specific. We have the preserved meat, what we call khleer. It's the beef jerky. Here in Fez, we dry the meat with some special spices, and then we preserve it in fats, beef fats. Okay. Here it's well preserved in Fez because of the weather. In Fez you can preserve it for months, whereas if you take it to other cities on the coast, so you cannot keep it for a long time. You have to consume it immediately. Yeah. How can you eat a beef jerky? What is the culture, the Moroccan culture, the Fezzi culture, when it comes to beef jerky? How do they eat it? Is it for lunch? Is it breakfast? Is it dinner? For the beef jerky, most of the time it's for breakfast. So it is heated because it has some fat, and then we add some eggs. But sometimes yeah, sometimes we have some families who can have it for uh, lunch or dinner, but it is mostly okay, known for uh, I mean, breakfast. For breakfast, okay. So the difference in the U.S., it, they have it dry, just completely dry by itself. And they can chew it. 
Yeah, they can chew it, yes. Yeah. And in Morocco, it's a little different. It's kind of fatty. So when you, you make your eggs, you just add the component of a little bit of fat and the beef jerky with it, and that's how you eat it. Yeah. That's really interesting. So it's the same as the rest of Morocco, basically. Yeah, we have it the same way. So can you tell us about your restaurant and also how did you start your restaurant and what gave you the idea, please? As a tour guide, I happen to go to the Medina almost every day. So I uh, looked for an old house in the Medina office because now the younger generation, they don't like to live in those big houses. So most of them were for sale. These old houses for sale. So I chose one of those, I mean, was in a very bad condition. And then I restored it and it turned it into a restaurant for typically Moroccan food. It took me, I mean, like one year to restore it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, decided to start this business as I love food and I love uh, to show, I mean, fast food to people. That's wonderful. So what is your target audience, Aziz? Who are your clients, basically? Well, I mean, from all over the world. From all over the world. We have Americans, Australians, French, from Europe, Canadians, from all over the world. It depends on the season because we have seasons in tourism. So, for example... Summer, we have lots of Italians coming in. We have Spanish because we're so close to Spain. But as you mentioned before, FES has become very known all over the world. That's excellent. What are your opening hours? So for people that want to go and have a meal at Le Patio Blue, what are your hours? It's for lunch. So we are open starting from 11. And the food is always fresh. We have very good cook. So most of the time we serve lunch. But for dinner, sometimes we can serve dinner if we have an order for that. We cannot just open for dinner and just wait. For lunch, we have reservations. I mean, we know sometimes how many people are coming for lunch. But for dinner, if we have a reservation, we can open. Otherwise, we close after we serve lunch. So roughly 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we close. Okay. And what's your capacity? The capacity is 130 seats including the terrace. We have a very nice terrace with a lovely view over the old city, over the Medina. Oh, nice. So what type of menu do you have? Or should I say, what type of items do you have on your menu, please, Aziz? We try to satisfy all the tastes. We have two menus that fit, I mean, the vegetarian people. We have vegetarian tagine, so mainly, I mean, veggies. Also, they can have the choice of uh, having a couscous vegetarian, couscous. So the couscous with the vegetables without any meat, because normally the meat, chicken or uh, whatever, is not cooked with the vegetables. It's cooked separate. For this uh, reason. Sometimes we prepare also the vegetarian pastilla. We have also the chicken with preserved lemon and preserved olives, which is very nice. I mean, a specialty of us, without forgetting the uh, meatballs with tomato sauce. Let me take you back. I need to ask you, you said vegetarian pastille. Can you explain to me? I mean, I've never heard of it, to be honest with you. But what's in it? What type of vegetables are in it? And also, is it made the same way that the other pastille are made with chicken or seafood? Or is it different? As you know, there is vegetarian pizza. You see, you can yes. prepare pizza with, as we call it, bolognese, with, uh, I mean, meat and uh, tomato and uh, other great ingredients. And we have also the uh, vegetarian pizza. But here we created... I, I apologize. I'm talking about bastilla. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just, I mean, comparing bastilla or pastilla, I mean, we use the same filo pastry, but instead of, I mean, stuffing it with chicken and almonds and all the other ingredients, we stuff it with, uh, with veggies. And then we add the spices. 
we do it the same way as the other pastilla, but without cinnamon, without sugar. So it I is see. savory. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Yes. Yeah. You have to try. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I can't wait. So what else do you have on the menu? We have beef tagine, beef with prunes and almonds. How is it prepared? It's a stew. First, we prepare I mean, the meat with the onions and the spices. And when the meat is cooked, we add the, uh, the prunes, the dried prunes with the sesame, yes, sesame, sesame seeds. seeds, yes. So on top, we add sesame seeds and sometimes almonds. We fry the almonds. We fry the almonds after removing the skin. And then we uh, add it to the tagine. So you do the onion, you do the meat, you cook it first with the spices and everything. Then the almonds are not really fried, but a little bit fried on the side by themselves. And at the end, when you're serving it, then you serve the dish with the prune. You leave the prune until the end because they cook kind of quick. Maybe you give them five, 10 minutes or less. It depends on the freshness of the prunes. And then at the end, you decorate them with the almonds and then on top of it, the sesame seeds. Yeah. Okay, perfect. It gives it, it, it looks really good, yes. That's it. Sometimes you can add also the apricots, the dried apricots. The apricots, they go with the prunes. I see. But they can also be made just... Same way. Yeah, the same way without the prunes. Yeah, so, but this okay. dish is a bit sweet. Also, we can add some cinnamon and some, I mean, yeah, sugar. Or if you don't like to use sugar, you can put a coffee spoon of honey. Oh, I see. Okay. It's very, it's nice. very nice, yeah. We have also the skewers, of course, minced meat or, I mean, chicken or what we call kebab. Most of the time, I can it with some vegetables aside. I see. Yeah. That's really good. So in your restaurant, what's your signature dish? What is one dish that a lot of people come to you to try or to eat because they've heard that it's really, really good and they just, they got to have it. They got to taste it. We can say it's the pastilla. The pastilla. And which one? The sweet one. The chicken pastilla. Okay, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Siazis. Anything else that you want to add before we end this episode? So I'd like just to thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you, talking to you. Thank you. You gave me a chance to express myself and to promote my city that I love. Absolutely. I love it. I have always lived in Fez. I like to travel, but always I feel like homesick. I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So is, it's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for being a guest in our episode today. Thank you. And also we'll add images and pictures to everything that we have talked about today, except the pigeon bastia. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so all the pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank, thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, DestinationMoroccoPodcast.com, is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then. You 
you have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.